0: Well, if it's your first time visiting us tonight i just wanted to um, give you a quick welcome um, we're always glad to have um, new faces and i hope you guys um, if you it's your first time here that you would stick around after the message so that um, we can just get a chance to meet you um, for those of us um, who have been here over the past two months either on fridays or during flock groups um, i trust that you've been enjoying the fellowship during those times i know at least for myself and for my wife also, um, we really just loved being here with you guys, and I was telling some of you early just kind of how cool I thought um, it was that we were able just to meet, um, just meet and talk with others that we probably wouldn't have normally talked to on a normal basis um, while I was in Light, and if you don't know, Light um, was a college fellowship at the time. It's not because I thought everyone outside of light was, like, strange or because I was just, like, hating on ETC or something. I was just always in the light room on Fridays, right? Um, and so I didn't really get a chance um, to see that much of ETC. But I think it's been really um, just a great time because now I get to interact um, at a closer level um, with more of SFBC than I had, than I had a chance to before. Right? And so do you guys. So I hope that Joint Airs um, has given you a greater opportunity to grow in different ways and to serve alongside other believers in different stages of life. And I think it's really just another opportunity for discipleship to take place. So I hope we can all just take advantage of that. Since the beginning of the summer, we've been going over a series on things pertaining to the church. And of course, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about the physical structure, the one that we're in right now, or just some event that occurs on Sunday or Friday, when we refer to the church, we're referring to the people, right? It's the people that make up the church. It's the body of believers who are united through a common faith in Christ. So when we, the church, hear these messages or topics on unity, service, comfort, freedom, prayer, encouragement, we should remember that the application of these things, they should extend outside of the building, right? They should be taken with us wherever we go. We're the church. Not just on Fridays and not just on Sundays. See, our spiritual acts of worship, right? They shouldn't suddenly turn on when we turn when we walk in through the doors, right? It's a part of who we are. It's our identity. Remember that we're what? Slaves of Christ. remember that? Dulas. We're his servants. Our entire identity is founded in Christ. It's not just a nine to five to career, it's, it's our being, it's who we are. So we strive for unity in faith because in Christ we're already united. We live freely because in Christ we've already been set free from the bondage of sin and from the burden of the law. We comfort and encourage each other because in Christ we have the ultimate comfort and encouragement. We're adopted as sons and daughters. All of the things that God calls us to be, we already are because of Christ. And all the work that he calls us to do, we gladly do because it's Christ who's working in us to will and to do. So I hope that we don't see this series as merely a list of more things that we have to do or become in order to please God. Or more requirements to fulfill so that we can remain a Christian in good standing. If we're in Christ... We've already been declared righteous before God. We've already been purchased by his blood. Nothing can change that. We're permanently adopted into God's family, joint heirs, right? New creations with new identities because of Christ. And God has given us his spirit who not only enables us to do these things that are good, but over time he changes our affections so that we actually desire to do these things. We're slowly changing from one degree of glory to another. We're being sanctified in a process that becomes that that helps us to become what we already are positionally before God. So let's not legalism, let's not let legalism creep in, okay? Let's not give priority to the doing over what has already been done by the work of Christ. See, there's no amount of good things that can be done that can earn salvation from God. Salvation's a gift that's to be received. It's not achieved. It doesn't matter how good of a person you think you are. Salvation is through Christ alone. And it doesn't matter how bad of a person you are right now. Jesus Christ can still save you. Christ is sufficient. The work has already been done. And he who started the work will be faithful to complete it in you until the day he returns. And tonight, we're going to be covering yet another topic um, that we're to live out in the church because of who we already are in Christ. And that's burden bearing in the church. We are to bear one another's burdens. Before we start, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the identity that we have through your son, God. We thank you that we don't have to work to be anything that we're not. But because of your son, we are everything that we need to be, God. We ask right now that you would help us, help us right now to to be who we are, to act out who we are through your son, God, or in your son. We ask that you would help us to be burden bearers, help us to look into your word, um, and help us to um, just understand it and and learn from it so that we can become more like you um, while we're here on earth. Thank you in your name. Amen. If you're taking notes, our outline will go something like this. It's first, we'll briefly try to define what a burden is, um, like what it means to and, and what it means to bear a burden. And I'll call that the definition. Okay? Second, we'll take a look at why we should do this. Right? What's the reasoning behind burden bearing? What's the motivation? And third, we'll look at some practical ways to accomplish this. What does it look like? How do we do it? We'll call that the application. So basically, it's the the what, why, and how of burden bearing. And we'll spend a good amount of time on um, the what and the why. And then towards the latter half, um, we're actually going to look, we are finally get to our assigned passage, um, the one verse in 1 Thessalonians for some practical application. So that's where we're headed tonight. So first off, let's start with defining what a burden is. If we're to be burden bearers, we ought to know what a burden is, right? So what is a burden? As I was thinking about the answer to this, a lot of things came to my my mind, and I was kind of having some trouble narrowing down the definition. So I thought for fun, I tried to ask Alexa the question, right? And for those of you who might not know, Alexa is the Amazon's like digital assistant, kind of like Siri or Google. Um, But anyways, I asked her. As if she's like a person, right? Uh, I asked her to define what a burden is, okay? And of course, for some reason, when we talk to these devices, we always have to talk to them like they're like 80 years old and hard of hearing, right? So I said, Alexa, right? What is the definition of a burden? And my first attempt failed because she actually thought I said bird. And so she gave me this like funky definition. And so I had to ask her again in a more clear voice, right? And I made sure to say, Burden, right? And here's how she responded. She said, as a noun, burden is usually defined as an onerous or difficult concern. As a verb, burden can mean weighed down with a, hel- with a load. It's pretty good, right? It's a pretty good definition. So burden as a noun is a difficult concern. As a verb, to burden, or to bear a burden, wait, to burden, sorry, is to weigh down with a load. It's the verb. It's not bad. But then I got curious, and so I decided to ask our Google Home also, just to, just to compare, you know. And yes, we have both. People are always like, why you got both Alexa and Google? It's because there was a Black Friday deal at Walmart, okay? <laughs> so anyways, this is what Google said. He said, here's the definition of burden. A load, especially a heavy one. And that was it. So this definition is nice and simple. I kind of like that one, okay? It's a heavy burden, or sorry, a burden is a heavy load. And when we think of burdens in our own lives, we think of any load that weighs us down, right? Any load or problem that weighs us down. And burdens can also come in in many different forms. They can be physical, spiritual, emotional, psychological. And relatively speaking, um, from person to person, nearly, you know, almost anything can become a burden for us. Okay, If I walk down the aisle right now and I just ask some of you, what kind of burdens you were carrying, I'm sure I would get like all sorts of answers, right? Like work is rough, midterms are coming, I have relationship issues, family drama, disappointment, anxiety, back pain, financial stress, the car won't start, my tire's blown, the dog is sick, the baby won't sleep. We all have our own individual burdens that we carry, and they all have varying degrees of weight, right? Now in the New Testament, there are two main words that translate to burden, One of the Greek words is fortion. It's called fortion, okay? Um, And it's used to describe a general load or like a pack, like a backpack. And it can either be heavy or light depending what's being carried, okay? So I can carry either a big fortion or I can carry a small fortion, okay? It's just any type of load, not necessarily taking into account the measure of weight, okay? And we can see an example of this in Matthew eleven thirty, 30. And Jesus, this is a famous verse. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden, that's fortion, my burden is light. So the word itself, right, it's neutral. Burden, okay? We only know the measure of the load because there's an adjective that describes it. You get that? The burden, the fortion, it's light, okay? It needed that word, um, to, to show us the measure of the burden. So that's fortion, okay? It's just a load or a pack of some sort, okay? But there's another Greek word that's translated as burden, and it's the word baros. <laughs> it's actually said with, like, the Spanish rolling of the R, like baros, you know, but I can't really do that. But I don't want to keep saying that, so I'm just going to say baros, okay, in my non, I don't know, my, my accent, okay? I'm just going to say the, the regular word. So baros is is the word used to describe an especially heavy burden, okay? So the weight or measure of the load is heavy. So a baros, we could say, is a heavy fortion. Do you get that? Okay. It's a heavy load or a heavy burden, okay? So listen to how baros is used in Matthew twenty twelve. This is Jesus. He's telling a parable. He says, these, this is like some guy talking in the parable, but Jesus telling the parable, okay? He says, these last, worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Okay? So here, the same word translated as burden is baros. Okay? They worked in a field for the entire day under the scorching heat. So it was a baros. It was a heavy burden. So fortion is a plain old pack, while baros is an especially heavy one. And the main difference... Uh, and that's the main difference between them, sorry. And I'm making this distinction because the Bible tells us that we should what? Bear one another's burdens, right? We Should bear one another's burdens. Um, turn to Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2, verse 2. We're going to be here for a while, so you can put there for, stay there for a little bit. Could stick that little flaggy thing in your Bible in First Thessalonians, it's Galatians six verse two, and it says right here. What does it say? It says, "Bear one another's what burdens." Right, and so now, since so now, right, we can ask the question. Okay, which burdens are we talking about here? Right, which burdens are we talking about? Are we talking about the fortion, or are we talking about? The baros, and the difference is small, but it's kind of important because it kind of, it kind of defines our scope, right? Are we to carry each other's just loads in general, or are we responsible for mainly the heavier loads? Is it the fortion or the baros? It's kind of fun, right? Okay. And the word here is actually, it's baros. Okay? It's the heavy burdens. So we're not being told to do every little task or every little responsibility for one another. I'm not going to throw my keys at you and say, like, hey, you know, bear my burden of driving. You know, I don't want to drive today. Or, like, I'm not going to tell you, hey, go to work for me. You know, I'm tired of going to work. Bear my burden, right? It's not an excuse for us to be lazy and irresponsible. We're not called to, to be everyone's personal assistant, like Alexa, right? To show you the contrast, if you look down at verse 5 um, in Galatians, it says, for each will have his... Oh, wait. For each will have to bear... His own load okay and that's 40 on so in the end each person is still responsible for their own load however heavy or light that may be but verse 2 says we're to help bear one another's borrows, okay the burdens that are too much for one person to handle the ones that are weighing down on a person and causing them to struggle there's some burdens that just aren't meant to be carried on our own Those are the types of burdens that Paul primarily had in mind when he wrote this. There's physical burdens, like injury or sickness. There's bodily limitations. Um, You get hungry, or um, there's the poor. There's spiritual burdens. We can be weighed down by sin or the sin of another. There's emotional burdens, like anxiety, depression, worry, or concern. There's circumstantial burdens, like trials and troubles that we face Um, When things just, like, they're not going the way we planned, right? There's burdens of responsibility. And that's, you know, when we're overwhelmed with, like, deadlines to meet. Or we have our daily obligations to fulfill. There's all sorts of burdens out there, right? And these were just a few examples. And each one can feel heavier or lighter depending on who the person is, right? And so Paul isn't necessarily trying to say, don't help anyone um, with smaller burdens in life, right? He's not intending to limit us in our burden bearing as if we should create some sort of like burden, burden measuring scale that weighs if the burden is heavier enough, you know? It's not like some sort of burden checklist where it's like, hmm, oh, this burden's too small, this one's too light, you know, this one's not big enough, this one's not heavy, oh, that one's like really heavy, like I wanna bear that burden, right? even the small burdens can be, still be taken up by us. And who knows, maybe they were small to us, but heavy for someone else, okay? And there are other verses out there to support just you know, loving others in any way, shape, or form, no matter how big or small. But the general point is that we should always be on the lookout for those who are carrying especially heavy burdens, right? Especially heavy ones. And I think that Paul is particularly focusing um, on the heavier burdens in this verse okay? especially considering the prior verse um, talks about sin which is, which is a heavy burden okay? so Paul says go out look for those who are struggling and bear their burdens okay, so we've defined what we mean by burden Right, it's the troubles, the concerns the responsibilities, the struggles that bring a person um, feeling low Right, it's anything that weighs a person down but what does it actually mean to bear someone's burden? I'll get into some specific examples later when we get into 1 Thessalonians. Um, but at its most basic definition, burden bearing is simply lightening someone else's load. Okay? You're lightening someone else's load. It's doing something to make um, other people's loads feel lighter. That's what it means to bear a burden. And By the way, when Paul says to bear one another's burdens right he's referring to believers okay he's instructing the members of the church to bear the burdens of other members okay he's not telling us to do this for non-believers okay this is a specific command for christians to bear the burdens of other christians yes we are called to to love help and care for those who are not believers but again that's not paul's main focus here in verse two okay he wants believers to care specifically for other believers. We're the one-anothers he's referring to. Okay? So back to the definition. The word for bear in Galatians 6, okay? the word for bear means to take up with your hands, okay? or to put upon yourself a load to be carried. And so there's an implication here for those, for those of us who are trying to bear one another's burdens, and that is, we can't take on burdens in the church without being relatively close to each other. Does that make sense? To bear a burden is literally to get close enough to someone so that you would be able to lift up your hands and bear some of that weight onto your own shoulders, okay? And so in the same way, bearing one another's burdens um, requires that we get involved in each other's lives, okay? It can't be done effectively from a distance. It has to be done in proximity. See, it's not enough for us to simply feel bad for one another. Okay? We don't just go around feeling sorry for each other. That's not what burden bearing is. Genuine love and care will lead us to act. Right? And so we need to go out and physically, spiritually, emotionally get in each other's lives. We need to listen intently. We need to speak the truth in love. We have to empathize and weep with those who weep. We need to encourage and lift up those who have fallen, whether it's through prayer, a phone call, or text, asking how they're doing, cooking a meal, giving a ride, discipling, teaching, giving, whatever it is that we do, big or small, we have the ability and the responsibility to lighten each other's load. We just have to put aside our selfish nature, right? And go out and do it. But it comes at a cost, It's not meant to be easy. It takes up our time and effort. It can be physically and emotionally draining. And that's because their burden becomes our burden now. We're literally carrying the weight of a burden that we didn't have before. Part of the weight that held them down if we're bearing burdens, is now pressing down on us. But that's what it is to bear burdens in the church. We lighten the load of someone else by taking on some of it ourselves. It's a sacrifice. It requires us to be selfless and caring. But this is what Paul calls us to do. And by God's grace and his perfect design, as we're bearing burdens of someone else, as we're bearing the burdens of someone else, other brothers and sisters are coming alongside and doing the same for you and I, okay? We're all called to bear one another's burdens. Okay, so we have the definitions down, right? We know what a burden is, and we kind of have an idea of what Paul meant when he told us to bear one another's burdens. Now let's look at answering the why, okay? The motivation, that's number two, the motivation. Why should we bear one another's burdens? What's the motivation? Burden bearing doesn't exactly sound like the most appealing job out there, right? We go out and we kinda look for people who look like they're having a hard time, look for people who are carrying particularly heavy burdens, and then we spend our time and effort and strength to place ourselves underneath that same pressure that they're under. Why would we wanna do that, right? What's our motivation for doing that? It's like when we see those like Olympic weightlifters, right? And they're like, they're like, like, you know, like they look ridiculous, right? And I'm thinking, like, why would anyone ever choose to place themselves under a stress like that? You know, like I I would never run up to one of those guys and say, hey, let me like let me help you. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna die, you know? Um, (laughs) but but there must be a reason, right? There must be a reason why Paul tells us to do this. Well, first off, It's a command from God. It's not just the topic for today. It's an actual command from God to bear one another's burdens. Again, Galatians 6.2, it says, bear one another's burdens. It's not a suggestion. All Christians are to bear the burdens of other Christians in the church. That should be motivation enough, right? I mean, if God says do it, we better do it. But Paul doesn't leave it at that. Right? The second half of the verse um, gives us further motivation. Look at what burden-bearing results in. Look what happens when you obey this command. It says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So when we bear each other's burdens, namely the burdens of other believers, we're at the same time fulfilling the law of Christ, Okay, so what does that mean? What does it mean that we're fulfilling the law of Christ? And how is that a motivation for us to bear one another's burdens, right? Now, we'll actually hear about this again in a few weeks um, within the context of restoration. um, So this will be a good preview for us, okay? But when we fulfill something, we're saying that the requirement has been met, right? Like, I fulfilled my obligation, or I did it. I completed it. I satisfied the requirements. So when we fulfill the law of Christ, we're satisfying the requirements of his law. Okay? And what's the law of Christ? In other words, what is the law that he lived by? What was his code of conduct? It was love. right? It was love. So when we fulfill the law of Christ, we're walking as he walked. We're living as he lived. We're acting as he has acted towards us. Everything that Christ did, he did in love. See, the law of Christ, it's the law of love. It's what Jesus lived by. His life gave definition to what, life, to what love is supposed to be. And so when we bear one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ because we're loving others the way he did. Okay, That's what this verse is saying. When Paul wrote this letter to the church um, in Galatia, he was concerned when he heard that the Pharisees, they weren't teaching the law of Christ. They were more concerned about law-keeping than they were about loving one another. Instead of bearing one another's burdens, they were creating them. Listen to Jesus rebuke a group of Pharisees in, in the book of Matthew. This is Matthew 23, verse 4. He says, Woe to you, lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. And the Pharisees in Galatia, they weren't any different, okay? They subjected the church to legalism. They were adding to the gospel. They made the church carry the burden of fulfilling the entire Mosaic law, right? That was like over 600 laws to obey, something ridiculous, it was a burden no man could carry except for Christ. Okay? They taught, for example, circumcision as a requirement for salvation. Right? You aren't circumcised? Well, then you're not a child of God. Okay? That's what they taught. Those are the types of laws um, that the Pharisees forced upon the church at the time. But obeying these types of laws never brings us any closer to God. Right? See, Jesus is never about heartless law keeping or blind obedience he doesn't care about our list of accolades or the top performers in the church the law of christ is fulfilled by love not by our good works and accomplishments if we want to fulfill christ's law then we ought to love one another the way he loves and that's exactly what we're doing when we bear one another's burdens we're loving one another flip back to galatians 5 14 galatians 5 14 this is a famous verse it says this for the whole law is fulfilled in one word the entirety of the law every aspect of the law is fulfilled in this one thing what is it is it circumcision no nope. is it showing up to church on Fridays? Is it serving in leadership? Is it teaching Sunday school? Leading a Bible study or prayer group? No. The whole law is fulfilled in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You get that? It means that when we obey this command, when we obey what Jesus refers to as the second greatest commandment, right, we're actually satisfying the requirement of the entire law, That includes fulfilling the first commandment, okay? And what was that? What was the first and greatest commandment? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, right? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. See, if we truly love God, we won't fail to show love to our neighbor. And when we love our neighbor, we're actually loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. They go hand in hand you can't do one without the other so if we love god then we'll love one another and if we love one another we won't hesitate to bear one another's burdens that's how burden bearing fulfills the law of christ look at john chapter 13 john chapter 13 verse 34 and 35 Says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. There's the ultimate motivation for our burden bearing, right? It's Christ's love for us. Yes, burden bearing is a command from God that we ought to follow, but the only reason that we're able to follow that command, the only reason that we can even begin to love, others is because he loved us first that god being rich in mercy even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins he made us alive in christ why because of the great love of which he loved us that's our motivation that's why we bear one another's burdens see in christ our heaviest burden has already been lifted remember everything has already been completed for us in christ right the work is done. The sin that once separated us from God has been removed. 1 Peter 2:24 says that he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And so now as our eternal burden has already been lifted by Christ, so we also should bear one another's burdens. That's our motivation. Let me tell you this. There is no shortage of burdens in the church. There's no shortage of people who are carrying heavy burdens. But our burdens, they're not meant to be carried alone. The church is called to care for her own body. And some of us have been here... We've been carrying the same burdens on our shoulders for years on end. And yet no one in the church has any clue about what those struggles are. Others of us, we're just fighting to make it through the day, right? And not a single person in the room suspects a thing. And let me say this to you, brothers and sisters, this is a tragedy. There are people, not just out there, There are people in here who are being crushed by the weight of their burdens. Their legs are giving out from underneath the pressure. Their arms, they're barely holding on. But oftentimes we're too busy or too preoccupied with ourselves to even notice. And this isn't what God intended for us. The people of the church are called to bear the burdens of the church, John Piper said this, he said, here's a vocation that will bring you more satisfaction than if you became a millionaire 10 times over. Develop the extraordinary skill for detecting the burdens of others and devote yourself daily to making them lighter. And so today, I want to ask you this question. Are you a burden bearer? Are you actively seeking out and bearing one another's burdens? If you've been looking for an area to serve in, or a role to fill, or if you've been looking for a ministry opportunity, then here it is. Become a burden bearer. Become a burden bearer in the church. Bear one another's burdens. Now let's look at how we can do this. Right? How do we do this? How do we bear one another's burdens? So hopefully, um, now we have an idea of what it means to bear one another's burdens, um, and we know why we do it. Um, Now let's look at how we can put it into practice. And for that, we're going to finally turn to our assigned passage, okay? Our assigned passage, which is 1 Thessalonians a little while to get here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And this is number three, by the way. Okay? It's the how. It's the application. In this passage, Paul gives us some um, examples of what burden-bearing in the church can look like. Okay? It's not an exhaustive list, but it still gives us some good examples of how we can love and serve one another through burden-bearing. So, for the rest of our time, we're going to look at Three practical ways in which we can bear one another's burdens. Okay? It's kind of like two sermons in one, okay? So now you got three practical ways, okay? So this is within number three, you got three points. Okay? Three practical ways to bear one another's burdens. Now let's read the passage again together. 1 Thessalonians 5:14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. So the outline is right in the text, right? Okay, it's number one: admonish the idle; number two: encourage the faint-hearted; and number three: help the weak. Okay, it's pretty easy. So these are just three ways that we can show our love to one another; three ways that we can bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And first, um, let me give you a little bit of context. It's a new passage. 1 Thessalonians, um, it's a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to a church that was located in a place called um, Thessalonica. Um, And Paul had actually planted the original church there, okay? But he left only after a couple months because there were a group of people um, that didn't like the fact that he was preaching the gospel. So he was driven out by the church and he left the region. And while he was away, Paul decided to write a letter of encouragement to that same church that he was forced to leave. Okay? And so today, we refer to that letter as the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now, because the church consisted of relatively newer believers, the intention of Paul's letter was mainly to build them up and to, to encourage them in their faith. From the beginning of the letter, Paul had like a bunch of good stuff to say to these guys. Okay, In chapter 1, verse 8, he said, not only has the word of the Lord sounded from you, or sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Okay? So their testimony was strong and their faith spoke for itself. But even as they were doing well, okay, Paul encouraged them to do even better, to never be content with their progress in becoming more like Christ. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to live and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. So they were doing well, okay? But they weren't perfect. They still needed to be encouraged. They still needed to be admonished. They still needed help. And even though they were somewhat of a model church at the time, especially for being um, so young like months old, they still had room to grow. And so for us, even if our church is loving one another well, even if we are actively bearing one another's burdens, we can still be encouraged to do so even more. So look at verse 14, chapter 5. And we urge you, brothers. That's the first part of the verse. So he's directing, right? And we urge you, brothers. He's directing these words towards the brethren right, towards the believers in the church once again, okay. That means the admonishing, the encouraging, the helping is to be carried out by all of us, the members of the church. This isn't just for the pastors and the elders, right? It's for you and I. If, if we see someone that needs help, we go out and help them, right? If we see someone that needs correction, we should correct them, okay? It's our responsibility, Okay? We don't have to immediately run to our elders or our leaders anytime we see something that needs to be done. Okay? They have enough things to worry about, or they have enough on their plate. The burdens of the church should be taken on by its members. Okay? They should be taken on by us. So here's the first practical way for us to bear burdens in the church. The first thing that Paul urges us to do is to admonish the idol admonish the idle. One of the ways that we bear one another's burdens is to admonish those who are idle. If you have the NASB version, um, you can see that the word for idle can also be translated as unruly. Right? Is that what it says? Unruly, it should say that. If it doesn't, then something's wrong. Okay. So it's translated as unruly or disorderly. Okay. It's a word that's often used to describe soldiers who are out of step, or out of rank. They're not walking the way they should be. They're going off on their own, or they're even stopping the flow of the march altogether. Okay? They're the Christians who aren't living like Christians. All of the other soldiers, they're reporting for duty, but the idol, they're nowhere to be found. Okay? They're out doing their own thing. Now, during that time, the church had a lot of questions about the second coming of Christ could have been that some became lazy or even outright disobedient in anticipation of Christ's return. Um, maybe they thought that if Christ was coming back soon, then there was no reason to do anything, right? It's like, you know, they were idle. Um, or maybe they thought um, they should be just like living it up, right? Or, you know, YOLO or something. Um, they were being unruly, right? Maybe they were thought we should just do whatever we want um, before we get taken away right before we get taken away up by the rapture we don't know exactly what um, why paul was writing and so paul says to these guys um, they need to be admonished all right if you see a brother or sister walking idly if you see them acting unruly or disobedient then we should admonish them now admonishing doesn't mean that we go and yell at them or like threaten them by force just to get back in line right we're not the drill sergeants right we're the fellow soldiers okay and to admonish is to put sense into it means that we put them in the right sense of mind we gently bring them back to the correct state we say don't go there right you're going down the wrong path or we say what are you doing? Right? Get back in line with everyone else. When we admonish, we come alongside and we warn them gently. Okay? We show them the way. We teach them what's right. But we should never correct anyone out of anger or pride. When we do, we aren't admonishing the way the Bible teaches. Okay? And we wouldn't be bearing one another's burdens. We'd be creating more burdens like the Pharisees. Instead, we should in love walking as Christ walked right get back on the track get, get them back on track to what they're supposed to be doing and that's walking in sync with the rest of the body right see the bible says that we should be walking in the spirit we shouldn't be out following our own path okay in galatians 5:25 paul says if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? So if we have the Spirit of Christ, if we have life by the Spirit, and every believer does, every believer has the Spirit, then we need to keep in step with what the Spirit's teaching. We need to live our lives in obedience to what the Spirit tells us through God's Word. Why? In the same chapter, verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the Spirit keeps us from giving in to our fleshly desires. He keeps us from going back to our old ways. Walking in the Spirit keeps us from sinning. So when we see a brother or sister not walking in the Spirit, we should get them back in line before it gets out of hand, right? They might not even know that they're off course, but we have to let them know that their sin it's only going to lead to more sin. So we can bear the burdens of the idle and the unruly by admonishing them. Okay? Now I know admonishing or correcting or confronting, it's not an easy thing to do. Okay? But it's part of our responsibility to the church body. We should be active in the things that God has called us to do. Right? See, the church isn't just about showing up. We don't just pat ourselves on the back. Um, for coming here after a long day of work or school, okay? It's about getting involved into each other's lives. It's about building one another up. We shouldn't ignore those who need correction. We should warn them in love. And what better way is there to show love than to warn one another away from the path of destruction, right? That's discipleship, right? Remember from the book? Doing intentional spiritual good by teaching others to follow Jesus. Teaching others to walk the path that he walked. Right? So let me ask you this. Do you, know, do you know anybody that's out of line? Do you know anybody that's idle or unruly? What were you planning to do? Were you planning to correct them? Or were you going to let them go off course because it make the relationship awkward? Paul urges us to bear the burdens of the idle by admonishing them. Okay, so number two. Encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage the faint-hearted. We're to admonish the idle and encourage the faint-hearted. Another practical way to bearing one another's burdens is to encourage those who are feeling discouraged. The word for faint-hearted can be translated as little in spirit or small-souled. It's those who are easily discouraged or um, overly worried and timid. In the context, there might have been church members who were just overly worried about death. More specifically, they were concerned um, about those who had already died. Um, They were concerned if they would miss the grand event of Christ's return. and In chapter 4, Paul actually addressed this. Um, He told them that those who have fallen asleep, he said, those who have fallen asleep, um, the dead, they'll actually rise up first during the rapture, okay? So, um, their lost, he said, he told them that their lost loved ones actually wouldn't miss out on Christ's return. He told them, and then he told them in verse 18 to encourage one another with these words. He was instructing them to tell them what he said, okay, so that they might be encouraged, And so Paul did exactly um, what he's now instructing us to do. He encouraged the church not to worry about their loved ones who had already passed away, right? And notice how he did it. How did he do that? He gave them truth, okay? He encouraged them with words of truth. He said um, in chapter 4, verse 13, he said that he didn't want them to be uninformed, he didn't want them to be ignorant. He wanted them to know the truth. So the answer for the faint of heart is to inform them. It's to give them objective truth. And let me give you an illustration of this, okay? And I used this before because um, we went over the first Thessalonians in light, actually. But um, let me give you this il- illustration. Uh, you have a friend who wakes up one day, and he's convinced that he's fatally ill, okay? And it doesn't make any sense, right? He just wakes up and he thinks he's going to die. But he's totally convinced of this, okay? This is just hypothetical. So you go to see him and you try to comfort him, right? And you tell him, hey, don't worry, you know, everything's going to be okay, okay? And how do, you, how do you think he reacts? How does he react? He says, well, you know, thanks, but I'm kind of I'm dying here, right? I'm not okay, I'm scared. I'm scared to death. And so he has other friends and and family members. They're coming to visit him and tell him, you know, oh, don't worry, you're fine. But in his mind, it doesn't make any difference to him, right? He thinks he's dying. Nothing has changed. And then finally, he goes to a doctor, right? And the doctor informs him that every single test came back negative. He's perfectly healthy. So now, how does he respond? Right? Now he's relieved. Right? He's relieved because um, now he's informed with the facts. He's being comforted by actual facts. All he needed was someone to give him objective truth. And that's what people burdened by worry need. Okay? They need to be encouraged by the words of this book. They need to see truth. They need truth. See empty phrases, they don't help the worrisome. Okay. Cheer up, you know. Don't worry. Forget about it. Shake it off. People who are crippled by fear, they don't need empty words. They need the truth. They need to be informed by God's word. That's what's truly comforting. And that's why we study the Bible, right? We don't just do it to increase our knowledge. We do it so that our lives would be changed, that they would be changed by the truths that we learn. And then what do we do after we learn them? We turn around and we encourage one another with those same truths that helped us when we were burdened. There are a lot of people out there who are afraid. They're uncertain. They're doubtful. They're thinking thoughts like, I'm not a Christian, I'm not doing enough. I'm not going to heaven. I'm not a good enough person. I keep sinning over and over again. I'm not even sure of my salvation, right? And we don't bear their burdens with empty words, right? Those types of concerns, you don't just say, oh, don't worry about it. That's not what they need to hear. They need to hear the truth from the word of God. You say you're not doing, doing enough to get into heaven, Right? Well, the Bible says salvation is by grace alone through faith, not by your works. You sin too many times to be forgiven. Well, Christ died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. You're not sure of your salvation? Well, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. You see, fear is cast out by truth. Early in the, in, earlier in the letter... There were some worried about trials and persecution. And they probably wanted to know, how do I get free from these, right? But see, it's not not about living in a world with no trials. Trials, they're going to be there whether we like them or not. But it's about living through those trials with the truth and knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's how fear is dealt with, okay? We We cast it out with truth. We don't necessarily bear... Their burdens by taking them out of the trial. We bear it by coming alongside them and encouraging them with truths from God's Word. So we should be listening for the faint of heart. We should be listening for the people who are scared. And they're out there, okay? And they're among us. We need to encourage them, build them up with truth and in love. We need to bear the burdens of the faint hearted. Number three. Finally, help the weak. Help the weak. We're to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. The word for help here is to hold something up, um, but it's not like like helping to put something like back on a shelf. Okay, it's not like a one-time thing. It's like oh, let me hold it up, put it over there. Okay, it's to hold something together. It's to cling to or hold firmly. So that it doesn't fall apart. It's like, kind of like when you plant like, a new like, baby tree and you tie that little vertical stick to it, you know, to keep it from falling over while it's young. Okay? That's what it means to, to help in this verse. Okay? See, there were weak people in Thessalonica. Theth- Thessalonica okay? Some were weak spiritually, some emotionally, some physically weak. And those people, Still needed to know that there were stronger Christians around them who would hold them up, okay? People who would stick with them in their times of need and not abandon them during their trials. And that's how you help the weak, okay? It's not, it's not a one time deal, it's the coming alongside of someone and doing life together. It's supporting each other, it's bearing one another's burdens for the long haul, like actually bearing. And unfortunately, the strong-willed, um, they have a particularly hard time dealing with the weak. Okay? And it's because in their own minds, they're able to handle anything that's put in front of them. It's difficult for them, for the strong-willed, to understand that there are actually people out there who have a, a genuine sense of inadequacy. Okay? They feel inferior to other members of the body, and oftentimes they don't feel like They have anything to contribute. They struggle with their value and self-worth. They feel defeated. And sometimes they just need someone to listen. Sometimes um, they just need someone to hear them out and empathize with them. But other times, they need the stronger in faith to come alongside and hold them up. To support them in the race until they reach the finish. To tell them that every believer has a place and function in the body of Christ that they need to be held up in a way that that helps them to see their worth in Christ. Some people, they're physically weak. They have physical ailments or injuries that make it difficult for them to do their normal tasks, okay? And we can show them our love by helping them, opening a door, asking how they're doing, okay? I love how we have, like, the meal sign-ups for the couples, right? It might seem like something small, um, but anything done to lighten the load helps that's what it is to bear a burden right you're lightening the load i'm sure that even though they appreciate the food um, your company and your prayers are even more helpful to them okay? there are those also those who are um, weak in faith newer believers who stumble upon um, or stumble on um, issues like our freedoms in christ right paul addressed the weaker brother in first corinthians and, and gave an example about how the weakened faith um, they might stumble if they saw other people eating foods sacrificed to idols now even though it was perfectly fine to eat he instructed the stronger believers to abstain why so that the weaker wouldn't stumble and that's our opportunity opportunity to help the weak okay we don't just say okay forget you that's steak right i'm eating this thing right Now, those are the teaching moments where we can come alongside and explain to them that we're not bound to those things, right? We're made clean on the inside by the blood of Christ. Our souls can't be tainted by food, right? So we need to help the weak in faith. We need to be there to instruct and teach them along the way, to hold them up so that their trust in God um, grows to be strong, right? This is how we bear the burdens of the weak, So those are just three ways, okay? Three ways that we can go about um, bearing one another's burdens. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. But when we're dealing with any kind of burden, right, we need to have patience. Paul says um, we're to be patient with them all. See, we won't be able to effectively bear one another's burdens without patience, Isn't it tempting for some of us as we're dealing with the burdens in the church to lose our patience, right? Especially to those people that we're close with, right? The ones that we've invested so much time in. It's easy to get frustrated or angry with them. Uh, But we have to remember that we're dealing with burdens in the church, right? When we're dealing with burdens in the church, we can't expect everyone to respond in kind. And Bill mentioned this, actually, when he spoke on comfort But when people are hurting, um, when they're put under the pressure from a weight of a burden, they might react out of frustration. They might not want to know that they're doing something wrong, right? They might reject your help or reject your words of encouragement. But it's not because they don't need help with their burdens, okay? It's because they're hurting. So don't be discouraged if your initial attempts to show love to one another if they aren't received with kindness, Paul tells us to be patient with them all. And isn't that how we want others to be with us when we are carrying the same burdens, when we are carrying the heavy load? See, we need others to be patient with us because it's difficult for us to admit that we need help, right? But this this is a crucial part of burden bearing, okay? This is crucial. We need to allow Our burdens to be carried by others okay yes we bear one another's burdens but when we're on the receiving end okay when we're the ones being idle or caught in sin when we're the ones feeling discouraged or faint-hearted and weak we need to allow others to take on our burdens with us okay kind of reminds me of this uh one scene from lord of the rings okay you guys know what that movie is right I'm not that old, okay. So, okay. I don't remember if it's from, like, movie one, two, or three, but there's this, like, one scene where um, Frodo and Sam, they're, like, traveling up this mountain with that creepy golem guy, right? And at this point in the movie, like, Frodo, he's looking pretty tore up, okay? He's, like, all pale, and he's got, like, that crazy eye, and he's got that, you know, the glistening jerry curl, you know? Um, but he has, this, he has this ring around his neck, Right And that ring it's precious to him, right, but at the same time, it's a huge burden, right? Because everybody wants to have that ring for themselves, okay And so Sam, you know, good old Sam, he sees he sees frodo, you know frodo's looking pretty worn down um, from stress, from the stress of holding the ring, and he looks at frodo and he says he says. I can help a bit, right? I can carry it for a while, you know? And then he said and then he says, this is kind of famous line, he goes, share the load, right? Do you remember that line? You remember? What he says, he says, share the load. And and then it echoes, right? And it zooms in onto Frodo's eyes. And then Frodo's like, <laughs> you know, like he's like, look at all crazy, right? <laughs> like he wasn't having it, right? He wouldn't let go of that burden, he would not let go of that ring. But isn't that how we feel sometimes about our own burdens? They're so heavy, and we feel so weighed down by them. But at the same time, we're not willing to let them go. We're not willing to let others bear our burdens with us. See, we we need to heed to the correction from each other. We need to listen to the truth spoken by our peers. We need to allow ourselves to be helped when we're weak. We don't need to come here wearing some sort of mask, okay? We don't need to act better or stronger than we really are. All of us, we all need to make it easier for the body to detect and to bear our burdens. See, part of burden bearing Is also allowing others to do the same for you. We need to let the body do its function. Let the admonishers admonish. Let the encouragers encourage. Let the helpers help. This is God's design in burden bearing, okay? That God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And we need to have humble hearts in order to invite others into our lives to bear our burdens. And wasn't that our attitude when we responded in faith to Christ? When he called out to us and said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God for his patience with us. Praise God for giving us humble hearts to receive salvation, for allowing us to exchange our heavy burden for his. feels like um, the older I get, the heavier the burdens become. And the more involved I get with the church body, the more I see the need for more burden bearers. There's depression, there's loneliness, rejection, there's fear and doubt, there's insecurity, stress, financial hardships, physical ailments, terminal illness, hidden sins, miscarriages, broken relationships. People have left the church Because of burdens like these. And where were the burden bearers for these people? Where were the admonishers? Where were the encouragers, the helpers for them? See, we're a family, right? We bear one another's burdens because these are our brothers, these are our sisters. and we can't stand to see any of our family hurting from loss. Okay? We can't stand seeing any of them crushed under the weight of sin. We can't handle them, can't, can't handle seeing them lonely and depressed day in and day out or crippled by fear. See, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sons and daughters of the same king. We're joint heirs And since we are in Christ, let's fulfill the law of Christ, right? Let's love one another as he has loved us. Let's bear one another's burdens knowing that Christ has already lifted from us our heaviest burden. And while we do this, let's look forward to the day when every burden will be lifted. When we don't have to Worry about becoming a burden bearer because Christ has already bore our burden. When he comes back, let's look forward to the return when he will wipe away every tear. Right? No more tears. No more pain. No more suffering. No mourning. No more death. The former things will pass and we'll be taken up to see our redeemer, to see our burden bearer, face to face. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it cuts to the heart and encourages us to be more like you, God. I thank you that um, you have sent your son to save us from our sin, our sin which is the heaviest burden that we could ever bear and you sent your son to take up that sin to lift away our burden and nail it to the cross God we're so thankful that we don't have to carry that burden we don't have to walk around without hope hanging our head down low we thank you because your son has already done all the work your son has taken away the burden so that we might um, one day become like you and be with you, God. Help us to bear one another's burdens until the day uh, that you return. Help us to bear the burdens. Help us to um, detect the burdens of this church. We ask that you would help us to be burden bearers who... Bear one another's burdens out of love for you because you first loved us. Now we can go out and love each other by bearing one another's burdens, God. We look forward to the day when there will be no more burdens, no more burdens even to bear, God, and we would be with you in paradise with your face forever to behold. We thank you in your name. Amen.